I'm Amy. Hi, and I'm Ashley. Welcome to Prize Fighting Kangaroo, your favorite podcast about cinema and culture. In today's uh, special edition, we're going to be talking about a subject that's near and dear to our spooky, dark little hearts, horror movies. <laughs> so you're gonna also going to be subject to a lot of really bad special effects. <laughs> well, we, we, we mostly just did them all, but... We couldn't afford to have a pheromone playing in the background, so we're hearing a lot of weird dumb mouth noises throughout. Bear with us. Let's we'll get it all out of the system right now. But I thought we'd start off uh, by talking about some of our, our personal all-time favorite horror movies. It's kind of a, a jumping-off point to what really appeals to us about the genre, but also kind of what are the things that really turn us off about horror movies. We're going to start with the faves, though, right? That's right. So I'm going to travel back in time and talk about two 70s faves uh, real quick. Uh, or maybe not. We'll see what happens. Uh, that kind of shaped my love of horror movies. The first one, The Omen, the original Omen, uh, with Gregory Peck and Lee Remick and little Harvey Stevens, who uh, you know gave the most uh, creepy kid look ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like cemented in your mind. A creepy child. And that's because he was the Antichrist. Uh, it's, it was such a great movie. Um, it was at a time when I don't think anyone was tr- really trying to make that many cheesy horror movies. Or maybe those were still uh, pretty underground. Uh, so you get to see a lot of that really dramatic family unraveling uh, there's a lot of history. And then you just have this really spooky, scary little kid who is, like I said, the Antichrist, uh, who is, you know, kind of trying to kill everybody that uh, gets in his way uh, so that he can ultimately grow up and, and take over the world. Um, <laughs> it's just very dark. Uh, the way that it's shot is very patient uh, mm-hmm, and yeah. ominous. And I just remember being so scared and intrigued uh and not even in the uh, scariest ways about like uh you know the religious context so much even though uh you know that's probably scary to a little kid seeing it but just uh the suspense just the great suspense uh, and then it had the really uh, ominous music playing all the time. So it would, you know, you get to a really crucial point, and then it was just like the, the spooky uh, religious chorus chanting. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a huge favorite for me. And then also the Amityville Horror, the original. Ooh, yeah. uh, uh, maybe I, I really am scared by uh, families unraveling, but that was another one that, you know, there's this presence that you don't know what it is it's uh you know making everyone in this house go mad uh and then it kind of culminates with james brolin in the basement kind of like you know a man who's lost his mind and um they're both pretty psychological too and even though they're supernatural uh which i like and uh those were kind of set the tone for me um for the for horror movies that i enjoyed coming after well, it, it, it's kind of cool about like um, we said with the Omen is that I think it kind of points to one thing that horror does really well is that its music is such an integral part <laughs> of so many horror films. Like like when I think of like The Exorcist, for example, I always think of Tubular Bells. 
Right. Where that song, to me, it's like, it, it, it's funny because I remember actually the other day I was at a restaurant and that music was playing in the background and it gave me chills. And the person I was with is like, what's wrong? And I told him like, oh, this is an exorcist song. And to them, it's just like a, this pleasant piece of new age music. <laughs> oh, Whereas to me, I, I just associate it with, you know, Reagan and the priests. And like, to me, it's like that piece of music is, is inexorably tied to that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Halloween. The theme song for it, yeah. Oh, it's classic. Like, oh yeah, all Carpenter's like his soundtrack work is phenomenal. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Or even as much as that, as much as they're trashy movies, I mean, Friday Thirteenth, just that kill, 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 die, die. Oh, oh sure, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's stuck in your head. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's actually kind of hard to figure another genre of film, other musicals, of course, in which music is that important to it. Because if you think of comedies, you don't necessarily think of like great comedic scores, but horror, like I mean, like every good horror movie. Like, sound design seems like it's a very important part of it. So I I agree, but I think uh, teen movies are um, some that uh, usually have a compelling soundtrack that you want to take away with you. But uh, the horror movie sets the tone for how you feel during the movie, whereas you you go back and listen to the songs from a teen movie soundtrack and you think about the parts in the movie, but you're really affected, I think, by the horror movie sounds and music while you're watching it. Of course. It's it's more like a general mood. Like, I think Mm -hmm. one, like one of the films that I really enjoy, it's a modern, that's a contemporary film is, um, it follows. Cause I really like, for starters, I really love the score. Cause the score is just kind of a chip tune electronic score where, they're kind of doing the kind of John Carpenter kind of style, where it's very a throwback to kind of like the '80s electronic horror scores, but it it gets modernized with that weird kind of like glitchy video gaming music. So I kind of like that because it felt very contemporary. But what I really love about the film is the device of um, the whole premise that you have this implacable, unstoppable evil that's following you everywhere, but it's incredibly slow. So you have these sh- you have these wide open shots where you have characters kind of milling around and you could see the thing in the distance like coming towards them, but they don't see it. And I and I love that tension because a lot of horror movies they have that device where the killer is always invisible and just strikes at random. But I think it's actually creepier to see the monster in the distance and them not seeing it. Because it's like the Hitchcock adage about like if you show an audience a bomb under a table, the suspense is them not knowing when it's going to blow up. Right. Oh yeah. So it follows, I think the suspense of that movie is that you see the thing following them all the time. You can see it in the background. And the fact that they can't see it oftentimes, that to me is actually scarier than if they, if you never saw it and it just struck at random. Yeah, I guess that's there's something to be said for that. It's not, uh, it's unexpected. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I never thought of that like that. And, you know, I saw... It follows, and I might need to see it again because I it didn't impact me. But I've talked to many people who've seen it afterwards, and they really liked it. I had some problems with consistency. Like I thought, it seemed like it, it could it could a strike. At, I mean, maybe looking at it from your perspective would help, but it seemed like it could strike at any time. But then it sometimes it was so slow like they were able to go drive to that school and hole up and it's like what is it waiting for (laughs) but yeah i think you know anytime you do a story with the supernatural anyway it's always been kind of kind of hinky because you know you kind of establish the rules of it and you're dealing with a creature that's not a vampire for example we all know the rules of a vampire right whereas the it and it follows we have no idea what the hell it is but 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 again the audience doesn't know either 
So I, I think it's one of those things where like, yeah, there were moments where I watched it too where I'm like, huh, okay, that seems a little inconsistent. But it's also like, maybe that's what makes it supernatural is that it doesn't have to necessarily follow the rules you expect it to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But I also kind of like how it kind of tapped into a kind of vibe, like, like that Charles Byrne book, Black Hole, taps into, where the dread of like teenage sex, where it's, you know, it's this thing that ushers you into like a new way of appreciating reality, but it also can be risky. And you know, in the film, it's a very heavy-handed metaphor, like, like oh, you, you know, you have sex with somebody, you pass the curse onto them, and now it's following you. But I just, so that aspect of the story, like, to me, it can be a little bit hokey, but I just really like the, the device of you see the menace. It's always there. It's present. Like, there's a, a great shot where I think they're in school, and you look out the window, and you see something slowly walking towards them outside. So they're not in immediate danger because this is in the courtyard, but I think that's incredibly creepy just to see that one figure just silently kind of gradually walking closer and closer into the frame. Yeah, I guess I, maybe that's what it is. I didn't understand the decisions because sometimes it was, it could be immediate or sometimes they're watching it and it's moving so slowly. So I'm like, if this thing can get you, what is it waiting for? Why doesn't it just come and get you? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, maybe that was my frustration. It, it, maybe it's not necessarily an inconsistency in the movie. Maybe it's like you said, there are no rules, uh, which is definitely an interesting way to look at it because I was, you know, I was waiting for something else, you know, just like, just do it already. Uh, no, totally. And, and, and we've learned, I guess, with a lot of supernatural movies and zombie movies that there aren't always rules. You know, we've seen fast zombies. We've seen slow zombies. Uh, yeah. Although I think rules kind of help, like, um, one of my favorite horror stories is that uh, is it by Stephen King. Like I'm not a big fan of the, I'm not a big fan of either of the movies, but I love the book. But I think the story is a big problem because you never really understand what Pennywise the clown is actually. It's it's its own monster, so there's no rules to it. So it creates this problem in the story where the characters don't really know how to deal with it. So by the time you get to the end of the story, you can tell the offer is not a deal with it either because it's dispatched in the most random way possible. Yeah, it's still an intriguing story. It is. And that shows its strength, I guess. I was still intrigued by that without, you know, yeah. having a, a you know, background, I guess. But I think that's part of the reason why I think maybe like serial killer movies, like slashers or like vampires and zombies are a little bit more palpable t- at times because they adhere to certain laws and rules. Like a human killer can be killed. A vampire can be, you know, staked in the heart or blown up in sunlight. But when you deal with things like It Follows or Pennywise the Clown, it's kind of like, well, what is it? Like, like, how can this be defeated? And if it can't be defeated at all, then it's kind of unfair, isn't it? Like, why am I going to watch a movie about characters who basically stand absolutely no chance of defeating a thing? Right. Right. But, you know, back on the subject of, like, favorite movies, I think another film I really like, and this is made back to, like, the late 90s, is I'm a big Scream fan. I love Scream. I, I don't think that they were all, every movie in the series was as strong as the others, but I like the idea of it, and I think the first two particularly were great. Oh, yeah. And it was actually, I, I, I think it sticks out for me, because, like, it was the first time I watched a horror movie in theaters where I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the film I really connected with because I love the fact that it, it is post, it is self aware, but it has a cast of characters that you actually like most of the people in the story, so you don't want to see them die. Right. And you also have the device where the killer is a fallible human, humans. So you have these scenes where they almost knock the killer out. Like, it's a person, so it could bang its head and fall down the staircase. Like, right. it's not Jason, <laughs> where it's like, it's this behemoth 
that just can't be stopped. It's a human tank. Right. right. Or the Ghostface Killer in all those movies, like it's just a person in a Halloween costume. Like right. But then could... when the costume comes off, like in Scream One, at one point there's Matthew Lillard and uh, Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Or they're broken and bandaged up, and I think the Matthew Lillard character is like maybe he's even been shot or stabbed. And yeah. Like still just trying to hold on to his life and and you know oh, it's, yeah. it's funny. Like I think my favorite scene in that movie is, is actually right at that reveal where it's like a I think Sydney steals like the phone and escapes and she call like a Matthew Lillard picks up the phone and he's like did you already call the cops and she's like you bet your ass it did it's like my mom and dad are gonna kill me and I'm like that, that was so great because it it, it it really makes how hu- it gives a humanity to all the characters even the the crazy killers are like they're still basically dumb teenage bros right. they're basically guys who are still afraid of getting caught. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, and also, I kind of like there was a film too where like it didn't have a huge body count. Where, like, yeah, it killed characters, but then the film, like if you think about it, like you have four survivors, which for a horror movie is really atypical. Right. Uh, I think they increased the body count as the movies went up. Yeah. They were trying to trying also to do that on purpose because they were trying to mirror like uh, you know other series. So. Uh, which they outlined in the movie. Yeah. But it didn't, even though they did that, even though it was cheeky like that um, and spoofy sometimes, it was still pretty scary. Like, I remember seeing the first one in the theater and that opening scene uh, was, you know, with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty terrifying, you know? Like, you get the call in the house. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. You like you scary know. movies. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember being pretty scared. Well, and it's also a, a really a keen psych out too, because you know at the time that film was made, like Drew Barrymore is the biggest star in the whole film, so you know you expect her to be like the um, the Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. You expect her to be the main character, right? She's not going to die exactly in twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which, which, <laughs> if you haven't seen it in the last twenty plus years, <laughs> sorry. Which is a good point. Um, pretty much assume any film we talk about, there's a risk of spoilage. So. Yeah. If you hear us talking about a film that you haven't heard, you haven't seen yet, maybe skip ahead five ten minutes. Yeah, put it on pause. Go yeah. watch go, the movie mm-hmm. and then come back and then uh, see how you feel like about what we're saying about it. <laughs> so since we're on the subject of like a favorite horror movies, why don't we do like a, maybe like a little detour and talk about like what's like a horror movie franchise or a film that you can't stand? So that kind of epitomizes the worst of the genre. <laughs> I don't know as a bunch. Horror is one of those film, one of those genres. Where the batting average isn't high. <laughs> yeah. The great movies are great, but man, there's a lot of shit. So many. So much. So I sometimes I get, uh, I have a friend who really likes supernatural horror movies. Not my favorite uh, genre of horror movies. I really like psychological, yeah. uh, scary things. And some supernatural I can do, but I've had to see uh, a lot of things with her. And they're usually at 10 in the morning at the theater while she's white knuckling it, but still far away <laughs> enough from bedtime that she's not too scared and yes she is a grown lady but we all have her things that make us scared but uh i've seen all the the con the movies in the conjuring series and oh, those no. <laughs> yeah you didn't yeah. like the conjuring i i, I guess i didn't really like yeah. it it's yeah. really slow pace like you liked with the omen i like you know, the slow pace yeah. i yeah. just didn't feel intrigued really? by it at all yeah, um, yeah. I, I've never really been a huge fan of those movies. Either. Like, there, there's some interesting visuals they have sometimes, mm-hmm. but yeah, it just it doesn't really move me. I don't know if I think that they're the worst ever made, but you know they seem to be you know pretty uh, 
big at the box office yeah. and mm-hmm. uh you know i like patrick wilson has been in some and i think that he's a, actually a pretty decent character actor but i just don't find them they don't have you know and, and maybe it's in the writing but you know you're not for everything that he's going through you're not getting that that compelling gregory peck or you know james brolin in the amityville horror like person really coming apart in the way that uh it's it impacts me yeah and I think that's something that's really important for a lot of horror movies. Like, like come back to Scream, for example, where it's like, you feel for Sydney. Those characters in the movie, like, you you like them, you kind of want them to succeed. Whereas, I think a lot of horror movies that are bad don't bother putting any kind of work into the characters. So they would just meet to be cut up. So you, you, you're not really, you don't, you don't have any investment in their long-term survival. So it feels kind of pointless watching the movie at times. Yeah, I feel like that about the Saw yeah, franchise exactly. too. Yes. Like I yes. love the idea of Saw when the first Saw came out. The first like, one. This, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a really interesting idea. You know, people wake up in this room. What's going on? Um, you know, it seemed like it could really twist your head up. And, and I guess if there was one in the series that was the better than the others, it was the first one. But I, w- I didn't find Jigsaw intriguing at all mm. after that. And I, yeah. I just don't feel like it went on to live up to the potential that it could have. Yeah, I mean, if you had one really interesting idea where the idea of the killer was almost aspirational, where it's almost like, you know, I'm doing this for your own good, so if you succeed, you'll be a better person. Like, that's kind of an interesting idea for like for a lunatic. It's an interesting motivation. But, yeah, the sequel's gotten to these weird things. Like, oh, he's dead. He's got disciples. And, oh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, just, it, it just got stupid. It got, yeah. like, like, I think most horror genres, they have that mistake where it's like, okay, we have a sequel, so we need to increase the mythology. Like Halloween one, it's just this guy who's soulless and evil, and nobody knows why he's killing people. And the sequel, is like, oh, actually, he's a druid. <laughs> he's, he's got a Celtic god curse on it. Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> they, they, they increasingly stupid. Um, I think, I think if, if I had to pick one film or one set of films to represent to me the worst of horror, is I think I'm a real, I really despise the Wrong Turn series. Oh. I've only seen a few of them, but one thing they always have in common, because if you haven't seen it, they're basically like, you know, people get lost in the woods, get attacked by cannibalistic rednecks. <laughs> uh, the first films, it's okay. The sequels, I really hate them because those are films where nobody lives. They're kind of right. horror movies where the villains always win, and I hate those movies. Like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily opposed to, uh, you know, good loses because like Night of the Living Dead is a great example of a film where nobody gets out of that movie right but I think it earns its downer ending yeah you know because the, the ending sense. where Ben gets shot by the cop and you don't know if he got shot because he thinks he's a zombie or he's like oh here's a black guy I can kill him and get away with it the ambiguity of the ending makes it work right well it's a, it's a smarter movie overall. it's a much smarter yeah. movie mm-hmm. but I think horror movies where it ends with the killer having killed everybody in the cast like um like the Dawn of the Dead remake that uh, Zack Snyder did, where it basically ends with them getting to an island and immediately getting swarmed. Right. To me, it must feel like incredibly nihilistic and ugly. Like, I want to see a film where at least somebody gets out of it. Because what's the point? Because if nobody gets out, who am I rooting for? Am I rooting for these cannibal rednecks to kill everybody? Yeah. <laughs> is it basically a snuff film I'm watching? <laughs> right. I guess, uh, you know, that is one thing that has never... Uh, been something that's come into play for me. And I've heard people say it about movies and TV shows that, that they really don't like a big nihilistic ending like that where everyone is gone because they feel like, they don't. who am I rooting for? What kind of hope is left? But 
uh, sometimes there is no hope. Yeah. And sometimes uh, things do end that way, and there's always a possibility that we could blow up tomorrow. So to me, that never makes my decision, you know, oh, I didn't have anybody to root for. I mean, it's a bummer sometimes yeah. when you're like, oh, I like that person, you know, like, yeah. well, I guess they're well, dead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying like, like those endings don't work. I just think like, like a film like It Comes at Night, for example, like it's one of those films where it's like it, the way it ends, it's like, yeah, nobody gets out, but it feels like it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like the, 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 the filmmakers are cheating to make the ending happen. Right. Whereas films like Wrong Turn, for example, have endings where characters will like be on the verge of escaping and being like, nope, the killer trapped them. They're dead. Right. Or I'm like, no, come on. <laughs> like, or, or another trope I really dislike is like when you watch like genre, when you watch series like Nightmare on Elm Street or like Friday the 13th, mm. where the character survives at the end of the, sh- and the, end of the movie and they kill him off in the sequel, the start of the sequel. They'll bring a character back and be like, oh, oh they're right. dead. Yeah. Like uh, the Dream Warriors, where in, right. in number three, they beat Freddy, and in the sequels, he just kills them all off anyway. Right. I hate... That's one of those tropes, like, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, let, just let, let, make some new characters, let the survivors have their moment. Yeah. I think that's almost too easy, and that is a yeah. formula that sometimes, it, I think some just subscribe to it because it's become a popular trope. Exactly. Like, oh, okay, well, we need to work them back in so that people can remember the last movie and kind of like you know re-feature it in their head like oh that person that's the person we were rooting for okay bye bye now you're dead (laughs) exactly it's it's one reason why the screen franchise works so well because i mean yeah it killed off characters like randy or cotton weary on occasion but mostly most of the survivors like dewey sydney and gail they survive all the movies right so you end up you end up having this relationship with these characters where you're invested in their survival more because they keep they keep enduring Right, mm-hmm. and, it, and and it leaves it open to that maybe sometime in the future you you can revisit, uh, you know we'll find out what they're doing now or exactly. it leaves right. it open for another sequel. Or- they kind of did do that with uh, the the main uh, lady from uh, Hellraiser. They brought her back in one of the sequels. It was like four or five, I can't remember, and uh, it turned out that she used the new main character to go through all this crap. To get him to go, you know, to you know the beings that you know want his soul yeah. and stuff like that. So that was kind of interesting. Like, you know, rather than them killing her off, you know, right. she kind of made a she was she was kind of part of of the storyline in a different way that, that the other characters. She can have this relationship with him that. Uh, yeah, it was just interesting. Keep... Yeah, they didn't want to just kill her off. They brought her back, and you thought, oh no, she's in trouble again. But right. she was actually just on the bad guy's side this time. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Interesting. I can't remember which one that was because there's so many Hellraisers. But <laughs> yeah, I think the Hellraiser yeah. series is another one that didn't keep me forever. You know, no. one and two were great. The rest, yeah. no. Well, isn't three the one where they have that one Hellraiser that kills you like shooting like yes, CDs, it's like CDs out of its yes. stomach? It's so so funny. Yeah, <laughs> clearly that came out in the '90s, right? I mean, did that come out uh, like around the? God, I can't remember. Like, I think it was crazy yeah. CDs. Now. Yeah, it was so yeah. bad. Now well, kids the- would just see it and be like, "What are they hurting people with?" <laughs> Well, in the 90s, it's kind of like the golden age of, like, trashy comedy horror. Because that's, like, you know, like, Child's Play series, uh-huh. like, um, the Leprechaun movies, where you're like, I guess this is supposed to be scary, but, like, the stories, are, like, the villains are too ridiculous to really be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing, but people still love those, too. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe they find them scary, like we were talking about earlier, uh, before we were recording, Chucky, uh, which you found some, some points with Chucky that... You, that resonated with you. Uh, I have to admit, like, 
the more I've, I've seen those movies already, the more I enjoy it as a series overall because it just ramps up the absurdity with each movie. <laughs> Like the first three movies are kind of like okay, it's kind of like an evil doll. Like it takes the premise a little seriously, whereas the sequels like Bride of Chucky and onwards, like it just gets batshit crazy. Where it's like okay, now he's married to Jennifer Tilly, and now I'm gonna go kill Red Man. And here's John Waters, his face getting melted off acid, and the two dolls fuck, and they have a baby who's British for some reason. Like oh, the, no. the, the series gets ridiculous. <laughs> But it's interesting because of it. Like, 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 it, like, it ramps up the absurdity of it, and it's fun because there's a consistency of each movie where it's like, it's they're they're great in a bad they're bad movies, but they're really great at what they do. Yeah, yeah. I think some people just probably just watch it because they're so cheesy, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's for me. Yeah. That's the best way yeah. to watch it. Uh, I'm not expecting anything else other than than that. But it being so bad. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of the few horror franchises where it actually improves as it goes on, because by add because because the original idea is so stupid, adding stuff to it doesn't really ruin it. Whereas I think a lot of other franchises like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or Halloween, like you do sequels. You end up having to embellish and add more characters, more backstory, and the more you know about those characters, the less scary they become. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. 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 But then you have some classics like Evil Dead. That's oh, true. Oh yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Which you know, you can do no wrong. No. Nope. Me. I, I have a I have a very odd relationship with those movies because every time I talk, every time somebody meets me, they find out my name's Ash. Like, oh, uh, you dead? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yep, you're like that's exactly what my parents were thinking. <laughs> no, my parents were not that cool. They were they were not that they were not that genre savvy. Let's put it that way. Gone with the Wind was my was my was the origins uh. of my name. <laughs> Completely opposite of yeah no no yeah. Ashley Wilkes I, I got I got to be the, the ultimate friend zone guy that that was the name that was bestowed upon me at birth <laughs> like hey we can name you Rhett the guy people want to fuck or we can name you Ashley thereby earning you a place in the friend zone <laughs> yes uh, I'm gonna tell you a movie that was a huge scary movie let down for me and I want to be scared you know if I see a movie I'm gonna be scared so sometimes I do it's hard for me to suspend and I really yeah. try to but uh, so remember when The Strangers came out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, again, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the trailers for The Strangers were downright fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you, you know, you're stopping at your old, you know, house. There's no one there. You have a place to spend the night. And then all of a sudden there's these weird people terrorizing you. Uh... You know, they're killing people, you know, it's, it's, you're on edge the whole time. And then for me, when they actually reveal themselves, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Three diminutive, stupid ass hipsters are terrorizing you. And that was, it was the, it was like the biggest letdown. It was so good. (laughs) Cause yeah, the sound design. Oh yeah. So scary. The music they chose. And then, yeah, the ending was such a letdown. It was creaky and creepy Mm -hmm. and suspenseful. And uh, I went with two friends and we were the aforementioned friend and another friend. And we were just on edge the whole time and just really excited to see it. Cause we got all worked up about like, this looks like it's going to actually be scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it was just like, you guys, you, the three of you, fuck you. I'll kick your ass right now. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> so what does scare you? Because we were talking about the earlier, like, 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 what are certain, like, things about the genre that kind of resonate with you? Like, like, for me, like, I'm not really a, a gore guy. 
I know some people love horror movies because of that, but to me, like, I like psychological horror, like Supernatural, like The Shining to me is a great example of a film that it gets under your skin, even though almost like only one person dies, but it's a film that just has this really creepy atmosphere, it just kind of sucks you in. Yeah, I like psychological things, and I can I can do Supernatural if it's really, if it's just done well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Once it crosses that line into the, the cheesy kind of thing, then I'm not saying that I can't enjoy it, but... I'm kind of like, oh, just move out of the house. You know what I mean? But if you're in the Amityville <laughs> yeah. house, I'm like, oh, man, you know, you have some serious family dynamics going on here that, you know, there's madness and that, you know, tension and anxiety. Uh, and you really believe it and you feel like, you know, wow, anything can happen. But when it's cheesy, it's just kind of like, oh, come on, just move or get in your car and go somewhere. Stop staying there. But if it's done well, then I, I'm yeah. all in. Like, I thought... Uh, the Babadook. Oh, so good. Was oh, yeah. so, so good. good. You know, it's, it's refreshing like, too. Yeah. 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 Here's a spooky a movie about a spooky, you know, childhood tale that comes to life and it's so dark and the mm. way it's shot, it's minimal and terrifying and And that one's yeah. more psychological because at the end at the end you realize that there's not really a monster, it's just kind of was it the mother, right? It's like her psychological issues. Yeah. It's kind of really yeah. is the monster. So yeah, yeah. same thing sort yeah. of with mother that just came out. Oh, I haven't seen that still. Oh, you haven't. But it's okay. You can spoil it if you want. Uh, yeah. No, I won't <laughs> no, spoil it's it. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, it's. I do want to see it. Yeah, just, I haven't got around to it yet. It's a little bit biblical, um, and it's just uh, you know I guess it, in it, all of its sort of spooky uh, supernaturalness, it really just is reflective of you know real life. Uh, you know, sort of like how we're destroying our own selves. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. Uh, and it's really well done. Um, what about you? What what scares you? What can you think of a moment like uh, the? Can you remember the first time you were really terrified? Oh, I can. Um, well, it's, it's uh, answer the first part of your question. I think. Like, I'm really, uh, I think the unknown is what scares me the most. So, like, offers like H.P. Lovecraft, for example, really interest me because I, I love, I think the most horrifying things are things that are inexplicable or unknown. So, supernatural horror really interests me if it can't be defined. It's like why It Follows interests me as a movie because it's not really a thing that you could look up in a book somewhere. It's just some inexplicable horror that's coming after you. That kind of stuff really gets under my skin. But the first film, and this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I was nine, and I was watching TNT one day, and it was like nobody's home, and they had a Friday Thirteenth marathon on, and I ended up watching a bunch of those movies. Which one was it? Do you remember? It was like three, okay. four. It was like it was like three through Jason Takes Manhattan, okay. and those oh, no. films scared the shit out of me. I mean, now like I watch them, they're just really dumb, but like. For like, uh, literally for two weeks afterwards, I used to be afraid to walk down the hallway <laughs> in my house because there was like a shuttered closet along the way, and I thought Jason come bursting through the closet and get me. <laughs> like I was, at the, I was still at that age where it really deeply, deeply imprinted on me. And, and, and in certain ways, like to this day, like I can't spend the night in the forest. Like if somebody tells me I want to go camping, I immediately think of Crystal Lake. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, 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 like it's it's just You're like gut nope. reaction where I'm like, uh, I'm gonna pass hard pass on camp. that. Nope, hard pass on that. <laughs> so I saw Magic when I was a little kid. Did you ever see that movie Magic? No. Uh, have you ever seen no, that movie I Magic? It's that. a it's a seventies movie with Anthony Perkins. Really? You guys haven't seen it? No. Uh, uh, I have not. 
it's a pretty uh, terrifying movie uh, about a ventriloquist dummy. Oh, which... no. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's Anthony Hopkins, not Anthony Perkins. Um, and Anne Margaret and Burgess Meredith's in it. And there's always something uh, a little bit scary about Burgess to me, too. He's like one of those people who has that ability to be a little maniacal. Oh, yeah, totally. He's funny, but... Uh, here, just t- take a a gander, I, and I'm, and you have to see it. Richard Attenborough did it. Oh, it's a really fantastic movie. It's a psychological horror movie. Are you familiar with it? No, I have not seen this. So movie. yeah, it, yeah that involves this dummy, and I think that was one of the, along with some of those others that I think solidified for me like the psychological horror uh, is the scariest for me. I'm not scared by th- the unknown. Um, so it's interesting yeah. me when people are like, you, you know, you can't explain it. Unexplainable, uh, doesn't always mean to me, um, uh, the, an unknown or not the yeah. same. Uh, cause you could have some pretty unexplainable, I mean, ultimately I guess there's an explanation for it, but some unexplainable human uh, oh, terror. Yeah. I don't know, just like, um, and this might be a little bit of a detour. Um, he's not really a horror filmmaker, at least in the conventional sense, but I think it's one reason why I love David Lynch movies so much. It's because, to me, his films are horror. Like, oftentimes scarier than actual horror movies. Like, there's scenes like in Lost Highway when it's like, um, oh, yeah. Bill Pullman meets the Mystery Man. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, the, the sound cuts out and he just hands him the phone. That whole sequence, yeah. to me, just, when I first time I watched it, it chilled me to the bone. Terrifying. It's yeah. terrifying. It's yeah. legitimately horrifying. And the whole videotape thing, Lynch said that actually did yeah. happen to him. That's why he put it in the film. If somebody gave him a videotape of his house, uh, they like put it yeah. on his like front of his door or something. Yeah, so creepy. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Or like Mulholland yeah. Drive. Like, and, and it, the, the, when I first watched that movie, the scene of Winky's Diner, where the the thing or the person behind the dumpster pops out, right? That imprinted <laughs> on me so deeply. That this day, if I go take out the garbage. At my apartment complex, <laughs> I actually will hold my breath every time I do it. Like, <laughs> like, and I know, I know it's irrational, but that, but there's something about that image. The first time I saw that, that it scared the shit out of me. And it's like it's such a fast scene. Like it's like not even they're not even on screen for like ten seconds. It never comes back. But there's something about that inexplicable quality of that of that that appearance where I'm like, what the hell was that? Or um, when uh, in Inland Empire, when Laura Dern's in the sewers. And her mm. face turns into that big clown thing coming up the frame. <laughs> I saw it in the movie theater, and I was just like, "No, what the fuck was that?" Yeah, no. That's Lynchian horror. Is uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's just a master at like fucking with yeah. your mind. Mm-hmm. But that's the stuff that really gets under my skin. Those 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 moments of inexplicable imagery where you're like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah. Now I kind of like that. It's just a little bit more. It's it's still not totally supernatural to me. Yeah. Uh, I guess I just maybe I'm just like a, it's just too much for me with all the, you know, the haunting the house hauntings and the yeah. Uh, also, uh, creepy dolls like magic. That's a that's a real piece of work. But this whole trend with like the Annabelles and stuff like that and the dolls coming to life. Right. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm with you. And also, like the, I, I love the Omen, I, but I think. Creepy kids is also something I'm kind of tired of. It's also kids. a very common yeah. trope of a kids mm. being like, it's under the table. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, that, it's that whole J-horror thing from Japan Mommy. where it kind of spread off. I hate that stuff. Yeah. So you didn't like The Grudge or The Ring? 
I like yeah. The Ring. The Ring, the Ring is, is a really unnerving movie. And I think part of because the premise is so good. The American remake or the original? I actually like both. I actually think the yeah. American remake is pretty solid, too. Yeah. Like, but yeah, The Grudge, I think it's one thing, like, it's it's one of those films, like, the first one's really good, mm-hmm. and then the, everything else that inspires was just diminishing returns pretty quickly. The Japanese version is scarier than the English version, Of The opinion. Grudge. Of The Grudge. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I I was okay with the rings. I didn't. I don't think I saw the American Grudge. Oh yeah, not good. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. You know, I finished with the doll movies when I saw. Did you see the boy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 Are you familiar with the boy? Yeah. No, yeah. no. So a girl, American girl, <laughs> goes to become a nanny for an English family who, of course, live in a victorian house uh on a little aisle uh where no one's around she gets there talks to the family for a little bit then we're gonna go upstairs and meet the boy goes in the room he's you can't see him he's in like a rocking chair he's facing away yeah Yeah, always a rocking chair he's looking (laughs) out the window and the mom's talking to him blah blah blah, and she's like won't introduce you to your new nanny terrible uh, accent and then she turns him around and he's a doll (laughs) so the girl's like what the fuck (laughs) like are you fucking kidding me right now and uh she kind of says something of that effect and the mom's like why would you say that you don't want to hurt his feelings or whatever and then they're like uh and then p.s we gotta go (laughs) we're going away on a trip uh (laughs) and then they disappear and she's stuck there with the doll, and he starts, you know, like all of a sudden you'll see him like whisk past. Uh, right. That's the one that suffers from the bitch get out of the house problem. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. get just out go. of the house. All like, of a why sudden, are you still she only there? has one half a bar on her phone and she can't get a hold of anybody. And, the, you know, all of a sudden the one guy that was delivering the food for the week, no one can find him. And, yeah. Yeah, that's always been one of the biggest problems with the genre in general is that you always have to engineer these excuses for people even being really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like get that railroad them into staying in a bad situation they're in. Because a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Like, why would if you're in that house with a creepy doll, why would you just immediately get out? Right. Why and would I you realize stay? you're in a different country. You have traveled, you know, across a large body of water for this job, but you don't have to stay. Like, there's <laughs> other jobs. You can get <laughs> yeah. another job. Yeah. Just start swimming to a freaking town. If someone tells you, I'm gonna introduce you to my son. And he's a freaking doll. Just get the hell out of there. I'm just saying, like, if I had a family member went overseas and they're like, yo, this is a situation, I'm like, I'll send you some money. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Get Don't out stay. Uh, speaking of get out, did you say get out? Y- yes, I did. I loved get out. <laughs> yeah. I did not. You did not? I did not oh, see that. It you was oh, you so didn't good. see it. Okay. I thought you were saying you didn't love it. Oh, no. Uh, which would be, would be allowed, of course. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to attack you. I just, uh, yeah. It's get out was probably... Uh, I found myself uh, unnerved, uh, and not just for the the social reasons, uh, you know, evident in the movie, but there was some creepy, that opening scene, you know, where the guy's walking around the neighborhood and trying to find the house. I was immediately uh, on edge. I thought it was, yeah, it was nearly perfect. It was, from, in terms of, like, from the ideas behind the movie, the execution of it, it, like, we consider it's a first time effort. From Peel when he made that movie, it's really impressive. It's such a well done movie. Yeah, it's it it really is a nearly perfect movie. Um, you know, I, I guess there are like you were saying, you know, things that you're impacted by that you 
you know, ca- kind of carry over into your life. Like you look behind that when you take out the garbage. I mean, don't you think everybody who saw Psycho growing up, uh, you know, was afraid? To, I still the shower. The shower <laughs> is still a terrifying place. Like uh, I still lock the door and take a shower. I lock the yeah. door too, and uh, not you know if I'm home, if my roommate's home. You know, I you know you could close the door because you don't want someone coming in. But sometimes, even with the dogs there and it's just me, like I'll step out and go. You know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and lock this. Like there's always that sort of yeah. image that that knife's gonna come <laughs> through that screen <laughs> or Jaws. You know, Jaws is oh, yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's like a you know it's a kind of a human drama in a water oh, totally. horror movie. Um, and I think that changed. You know, the, I remember go. You know, taking those family trips in the summer, you know, the years when the Jaws movies were coming out and, and everyone was afraid. And people would just, you know, screw with other people and say, oh, shark, you know, and, and mass people would just oh, go man, flying yeah. out of the oh, water. Of course. <laughs> uh, so there's been some interesting uh, horror imprints, I think, that. Right. I do have here at Jaws Race. You know what that Jaws is called in France? What? It's called. Lay Jaws? No, Le Don de la Mer. Teeth of, the Teeth of the Sea. Oh, that's Ooh, cool. Which I was yeah. like, that's poetic and horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus uh, Christ. Teeth are horrifying to me sometimes. Oh, that yeah. scene in, in the new It with the uh, endless uh, teeth this yeah, morning, yeah, right. uh, was pretty terrifying to me. That, that's, an, that's an image that stayed in my head. Yeah. That's also another kind of interesting uh, aspect of horror is like a body horror movies, like Cronenberg and stuff. Films uh-huh. of like transformation. Uh-huh. For me, it's like psychological again, like Jacob's Ladder. That type oh, of stuff yeah. scares me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? that's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't know, that's just really scary not being able to understand if it's reality or not. That's what scares me. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of, when that person is just on that brink of they don't know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to force them. Sometimes they're at the point where they're almost ready to just kill the, their own yeah. self yeah. so that they can escape that confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, at a moment like that, like um, it's not really a horror movie. The first time I watched uh, uh, Linklater's Waking Life, I oh. watched it like at two in the morning, and the first thing I did when the movie ended is I got up and I went over to my a light switch to flick it because because the movie they talk about how one of the warning signs that you're you're trapped in a dream is if you turn on a light switch, the lights won't turn on or off. Huh. So I turned the light switch on in my room and it didn't turn on. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> but what I forgot is that it was a dimmer switch. <laughs> so as soon as I realized that, I'm like, oh, God. I, for that, but that moment, I remember, like, it, it really terrified me. Because for a minute there, I'm like, holy shit, I'm, I'm sleeping. This isn't real. Like, it was a real moment of just absolute, like, existential terror. Like, Jeez. oh, my God, I'm not here. And when I hit that switch, the lights came on. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it felt so good. <laughs> That is hilarious. I have to say, oh. but also because, like, also like, I, it's also kind of embarrassing to admit. But um, one reason why I watched a lot of horror movies growing up was um, you know, I'm 34, so I'm still in the generation where the internet was not readily available while you're in middle sure. school and high school. Same. So all the guys my age, we watched tons of horror movies. Because if you want to see boobs, yeah. that was like the most. That's re- where you go. That yeah. was the most yeah. reliable way. That was the most reliable way to get any kind of cleavage for even a few seconds was by watching gaggles of horror movies on like Showtime or like Cinemax. So I watched tons of horror movies as I went through puberty because I'm like, I gotta see some boobage, and it's the only way I know how. I don't have magazines. We don't have the internet. It's it's this. 
It's why wow. I'm watching Replicon right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I watch a lot of really, 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 really shitty horror movies for that main reason. Do you ever remember a time when there was like a lot of good boobs in the movie, but the movie was so good or scary that you were like, I don't care about these boobs? Or were you just like, I'm a teenage boy and I will, I'll, I will, nothing supersedes the boobs. And uh, nothing supersedes the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> also, and, and this is something I've seen. I've never seen a film which had a, a plethora, a plenitude of boobs that was also good. Because I think they knew. I, I think I think they knew if it was a quality film, you don't need a bunch of boobs. Uh, yeah. Right. But if it's a terrible film, and like let's get let's get Russ Myers in here and just boobs everywhere. <laughs> are you saying Russ Myers films are terrible? No, I'm, no, I'm not saying that. I do enjoy Russ Myers. I'm just saying, if a horror movie has to go to those kind of lengths, I think it's, that shows that they kind of know what kind of product they're making. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm I'm now challenged to find a really excellent, scary-ish movie that also has lots of boobs. I'm just saying it probably exists. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that it's impossible. No, I'm going to find my limited one, experience. I was not able to find a film that had a bunch of boobs that was actually also like, oh, this is a genuinely good movie. Yeah, now I'm trying to think of one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what about like foreign, like 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 like, uh, like giallo, for example, or like Japanese horror? Like, are those uh, tr- are those schools that also appeal to you, or do you kind of like? Of what did you say? Well, like kind of, like, kind of there's also like you know Italian horror, like oh. Suspira, like Argento. Oh, Baba, sure, I love Argento. Kind of yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you how you can't, but it's uh, <laughs> a good point. I mean, I guess that's a real that's a real simple uh, statement on that kind of thing. But uh, well, because this film has this quality of like watching a nightmare, where a lot of stuff, a lot of his films don't really make sense. Like, um, I can't remember which one it was, but there's one. I think maybe it's Tenebrae, the one where they had a woman who had like a like a needles in her oh, eyelids, yeah. or even like um. I think it was like Blood Red or something where they had like a random like ventriloquist doll that would attack people that wasn't connected to anything. Like there'd be these horrifying images that happen in his movies where I'm like, there's no logical reason why this could possibly happen. But it just happens anyway. Right. Oh, but uh, one movie I, I do think that could uh, work for the, the boobage and the quality. 120, <laughs> 120 Days of Sodom. Did you ever see that one? Oh, the, the, oh, pas- the Pasolini sure. movie? That is a really messed Pasolini. up movie. Yeah, yeah okay. That, that's a good point. <laughs> Okay, you're right. Probably there are probably foreign <laughs> films in which the yeah. boob yeah, law does foreign. not apply. Mm-hmm. American, American, movies, not so much. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the Pasolini is good. That's a really good example. But also, I think you have to be a really fucked up person to watch Salo and be like, yeah, uh, yeah. It was really <laughs> disturbing. Like it no, was... like no, like I, I, don't come to my house if you're that person. Like, I don't want to know you. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, like um. Did you ever see that um, Gaspar Noe film, Irreversible? Irreversible, yeah. I went, I saw it in theaters, and there were these two teenage dudes who were laughing their ass oh off my God, really? during oh, the scene. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, they were cracking up. And at I'm the like, Jeez. <laughs> no, during, during the, the 10 minute, you know what, yeah. the rape scene, they were like cracking uh, up about it. I'm like, I hope you bastards die. Yeah. I hope you wow. go outside and get by a fucking car. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that that's the is wrong a, reaction. Yeah, that's a terrifying movie, uh, you know, oh, on yeah. its own. I mean, it takes you on a real emotional tour. I mean it's, oh, totally. it's brilliant. I think he's he's amazing. It's definitely one of those films, like I'm glad I saw it. I I, I, I don't have any desire to watch it again. Mm-hmm. 
but the journey it takes you, like the beginning where they're, they're running into the nightclub, and it's like this hellish, weird environment. And then, you know, the scene. And the ending where it goes backwards in time, you see this moment of peace and tranquility where they're together. Like, it's a very beautiful and haunting movie. But yeah, it's definitely not something I want to immerse myself in again. Yeah, that's I feel about Martyrs. Have you seen Martyrs? I Oof. have not seen That's a Martyrs. one and done movie for me. Mm. It's mm. just like, I have to see it because I like horror movies, but... Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I, I think one of the things that, that, that sticks with horror movies is, like, I like to watch horror movies that are creepy, but there's at least some element of fun to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I feel a lot of modern horror movies tend to end more on the torture porn angle, where it's yeah. like, they're yeah. just not fun to watch. I mean, even, like, Scream is a fun movie. Like, yeah, it's creepy and it's weird, but it has these moments where, like, I can enjoy this. Zombie films like uh, The Romeros had those moments, too. But I feel like stuff like Martyrs or, like, um, The Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah. They, films, they, they just feel like they revel so much in this grimy aesthetic and hopelessness that they're just not enjoyable to sit through. Yeah. Not yeah. like the old 70s, 80s. Yeah. You know, slasher yeah. films, those are fun. What about something like <laughs> Funny Games? I like Funny Games. Oh, yeah. Funny well, which games version? Too. Which one? Uh, is there more than one? Yeah, there's the American version if you haven't seen it. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I've only seen yeah. the Haneke. They're both uh, good, actually. Yeah, then, but Haneke yeah. did both versions. They just, oh, he did? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He did both oh, versions. Oh, you know what? I did see it because Naomi Watts is she? Yeah. She's yeah. in the American version. Yeah. I did see both. Um, I think that film, I think it's a, there's a, dark sense of humor in it. Yeah. I think that, 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 that's what kind of saves it from just being like like an exercise in misery. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes uh, when the antagonist is uh, finds humor in what they're yeah. doing, that's a kind of uh, terror that will stay with me a little bit. You know, Definitely. when they're really enjoying their torture. Uh, yeah. Requiem for a Dream, to me, is a horror movie. Oh, that's absolutely a horror <laughs> uh, movie. I That's probably one of the movies I watch. I watched with my friend when it came out. I was living in New York at the time, and when... We got finished. I had like ripped a hole in his shirt from gripping it so hard. So I guess maybe human horror is my uh, the scariest thing to me. Oh, totally. And again, you know, that's a film too where it's like there's there's like no hope. No, just the way just the way. And again, but it it's a film that earns it because you know it's not a film that's trying to sell you any kind of false hope with these characters. Like they're they're doomed, they're damned, they're ruined by their own choices, and there's. There's not much to be done about it. It's awful. But that's life, though. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's always been more terrifying than, like, being an uh, in- invulnerable man in a white mask chasing you with a butcher knife. Because <laughs> yeah. the odds that any of us are going to encounter that in our lifetime... <laughs> the odds of us being shot in public are vastly greater. Right. Although that first sp- Halloween, terrifying. Oh, yeah, it is terrifying. <laughs> And again, it, it, it stands back to the inexplicableness of it. Like, there's no motive. Like, Michael Myers escapes the asylum. He goes back to Hayden, Hayden Field. And why is he targeting the specific girl, her specific friends? At least in the first movie, there's no reason for it. Well, I guess because what? He, the first person he killed was his sister, right? So yeah. So I guess it was kind of him redoing yeah. the same thing. Just yeah. killing a bunch of teenagers. But yeah, it's never really fully explained. And that's what makes it creepy is the, yeah. is the idea that it could have been somebody else. It could have been it could have been you. It could be anybody else. Mm-hmm. It, it was like bad luck. Is that she was the person he imprinted on? Yeah. Yeah. And then the sequels are like, oh, actually, you were his sister. Like, like <laughs> it, it ruins. It, it immediately ruins it, basically. <laughs> but that first one was so perfect because of that. Well, what did you think of the Rob Zombie remake of it? I kind of 
felt like if you took the two Rob Zombie films and you didn't call them Halloween and you made right. it, it okay. I actually think they would have been really solid films because like he's all right. He's yeah. all right. Like there's some scenes like, like the second one where there's the the Halloween party to go to where they're all just yeah. this Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. I really like that scene. I'm actually surprised that more people haven't done like Halloween parties as a setting for yeah. a horror movie. It's kind of right. perfect. Right. Well, I like I like his uh, version of two because you know his mask is finally torn up. He's got like long hair. He's like pretty much just like homeless person. Right. Yeah. So it kind of made it more like human like. Yeah. And it was kind of an interesting take on it because you know it's been done so many times by so many different directors yeah. so it was interesting and I guess I heard he's uh, Carpenter right he's gonna be remaking Halloween oh from what I heard yeah I he's gonna oh, really? do it really yeah so <sighs> I don't know I don't think it I don't think it really needs to be remade. it really again. doesn't <laughs> I mean I feel like everything yeah. is always getting remade like let's just you know there's some films that you just can't like I think that film is a perfect moment in time mm-hmm. and there's a reason why it's endlessly being remade and being inspiring entire genres because it's like that film, for what it is, it's perfect. Right. Yeah. Like uh, Gus Van Zandt's uh, Psycho. Like, that's that could be the example of the most self-indulgent project ever made. Oh, of course. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I don't think it needed to be done. And just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Like, all, yeah, I don't know. No, it, it, it's an interesting idea to think about. But I think it fails to understand the power of the point of cinema. Like, why would you recreate something shot for shot? Yes, it'd be a different movie because you're using different actors, different time period, whatever. But it's still like, it's an it's an empty exercise. What's yeah, the point? I felt like it was just a, you know, just because I can. It it just was so indulgent and like it seemed a little bit wasteful. Oh, totally wasteful. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally wasteful. Yeah, you have to do one on bad remakes because there's a lot of. Oh, oh so my many. god, there's so many. Robocop. Like why? I guess they're remaking yeah. the craft. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I heard they're remaking. Um, Scarface. What? I know. It's like, I, it already is a... I know, a remake yeah, of a remake. It already remake. is a remake, but it's just like, I don't think they yeah. need to be touched. We definitely have yeah. to talk about remakes <laughs> soon, because I recently watched uh, the Point Break remake. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> well, it's been remakes. They're also remaking Suspira right now. Really? And it's interesting, because I interviewed the director, and it, it was so weird, because they're like, yeah, you know, the original film was very colorful and, you know, they have that Goblin soundtrack, which is like, you know, that's the first thing you think about Suspira is the music and the individual. It's like, we want to we get away from the original and like, so we're not going to include any of those elements. And I'm like, then why are you remaking Suspira? Right. Because <laughs> that film, like, nobody watches Suspira because it's got a brilliant plot or whatever. They're watching it because of the, like, the hallucinatory, like, acidy images. Right, it's trippy. And that crazy and, soundtrack. And weird, yeah, the music. Right, it's the iconic. film is pure yeah. style. So why would you remake a film and go, oh, we're not going to use any of the style of the movie? It's like, then you don't have a movie. You right. have some random film about people getting killed at school, which yes. is anything. Yeah. Just make a different movie. Like, uh, right. Yeah. Your own movie. New idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which comes back to the Rob Zombie films. Where it's like, I think they were both solid movies. I think if you stripped away the whole Michael Myers thing and just made it its own character, yeah. I, think, I, I think they'd be much, they'd be, they'd be much more well-regarded. I yeah. think so, too. And, yeah. and he's somebody that, you know... Is going to try his best to have some quality output because he's like a lifetime, you know, horror fanatic and yeah. and, and yeah. respectful of, of horror genre. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Always. They, it didn't feel like product, but you watch those movies, you're like, 
he may have took the films because they were like a paycheck, but you could tell he really did try to do right. something. Yeah. He took risks with it. Like the sequel of all yeah. the dream stuff where it's like Michael can see his mom, oh, but so can his yeah. sister. Like it's just weird. Like like there's stuff in that where you go, you don't know what the hell what's going on in that movie. But it's mm-hmm. interesting because yeah. of it. And then you can tell that he likes classic trippy oh, yeah. you know, oh, tripped yeah. out horror mm-hmm. films. And it really comes through in what he does. Yeah. So I always kind of give him the, you know what I mean? Even yeah. if I don't rush to see it, I'll watch Devil's it when Rejects. it's on. Yeah, Devil's yeah. Rejects was great. That was good. I'll yeah, watch I'm it. Not on... really con- I'm not really big on that one. No, it was disturbing. It was yeah, a yeah. disturbing in a disturbing film. way. Yeah. It was not, I would say yeah. it was very well made. I just mm-hmm. think it was those films that I felt like, I felt like the, the sympathy was he wanted us to like the Fireflies. Yeah. And that's where I had a problem with that movie. Where like The, the like ending the, was really bad. Yeah, the ending where they get shot down. Yeah, like, like music, I'm like, yeah. no, they had it coming. You can't really sell me it. You can't sell me on the whole world. The cop abused them at one yes, point, no. so it's it's equivalent. Like no, they're they're fucking psychopaths. <laughs> like trying to make him go out nobly is like ridiculous to me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. To find out more about what we'll be doing in the future, uh, keep up to date on us by following our Facebook. Uh, Prize Fighting Kangaroo. And you can catch older episodes of Prize Fighting Kangaroo on Seven Streams Media. Bye.